Welcome to Scaling Up H2O, the podcast where we scale up on knowledge so we don't scale up our systems. I'm Trace Blackmore, the host of Scaling Up H2O. And folks, you all know it's difficult being an industrial water trader. We have so many expectations that we have to keep up with. Our boss has expectations on us. Maybe we're the boss and we have expectations on ourselves. Our customers have expectations and you name it, there's just all of these expectations. Here's the question I want you to ask. Are those expectations clear? And if everything's going great, there's probably no issue until there's an issue. Think about it. Have you ever had a conversation with somebody expectations were not made clear, you attempted to go do something, and then what you did was not in line with what the other person wanted you to do or how you should do it, and now there was an issue. So let's just say at the very beginning, we could turn all of that upside down and we had clear expectations on all of the potential issues. How do you want me to do this? Now, I'm not talking about micromanaging, but what are the guardrails that people are going to put on either side that you have to stay within? At what point do you need to ask for help? What does the end product look like? What's the expectation of when that will get done? What's the budget for it? What are all the different resources that you can use? I think so many times we just glance over all of those things and we don't have clear expectations and then both parties are unclear on what the final product needs to be and nobody can really get the desired end result with a formula like that. So my urge for you is the next time you're talking to an employee, your boss, a customer, a potential customer, whatever it is, make sure you bring out what are the expectations? How is this gonna be done? What's acceptable? What's the end product? What are the resources that we can use? And as uncomfortable as that might be in the very beginning, it is always, always easier to have that conversation on the front end rather than coming back after something was not met to expectations. Well, as far as expectations, I think you all expect that the Scaling Up Nation is going to get together within the community every so often on a Zoom call for a hang. Well, folks, we got another hang coming up on April 8th. That's gonna be at 6 p.m. Eastern time. And of course, we will have a featured beverage. You're welcome to try that recipe. There's always somebody that uh, has a new recipe in the Scaling Up staff that, that puts something out there. And there's always people that try it. Some people like it, some people don't. But the whole point is, let's have fun, let's get together, and let's network. I know a lot of times we've got to go places in order to network with people that do the same type of work that we all do. Well, in this climate, that's easier said than done. And we are trying to make that as easy as possible. So you can go to scalinguph2o.com forward slash hang to register for that April 8th event. Also, on March 26th, so even before that, we're gonna be talking to Tim Fulton with a special business webinar. 
Tim is going to talk to us about how do we know how fast we can grow and how much we can grow. Tim is my business mentor. He's been my business coach for well over a decade. I can't say enough good things about Tim, and Tim has really taught me how to read financials in a way that I can use to make good decisions for the company. So if you are a business owner, and you would like to participate in this absolutely free webinar, I urge you to do so by going to scalinguph2o.com forward slash business, and that will take you right to the registration page. And trust me, this is a webinar that is going to give you tools that you can use immediately after the webinar. So there you go, two free things that the Scaling Up Nation is bringing to you so the Scaling Up Nation can network and learn and grow. Something else you might want to consider is the Smart Water Utilities USA Conference is going on May 26th through 27th. Folks, this is registered as an in-person event. You remember when we used to have those? If you're interested in that, you can go to our show notes page and we will have a link directly to that. I always want to let you know about different conferences that are going on because I truly believe that conferences are the way that we, one, network, and two, learn about the things that we don't know we don't know, but then also enhance the things that we do know. So put yourself in positions that you can go to these conferences so you can grow as an industrial water treater. Speaking of growing as an industrial water treater, here is another installment of James's Challenge. Hello, Scaling Up Nation. The next James's Challenge as we grow as an industrial water treatment professional, drop by drop, is... Explain cycles of concentration to a non-technical person. Cycles of concentration is a key component to understanding how to control boiler and cooling tower water chemistries. It can be a difficult concept for operators and those new to our profession to grasp. There are many analogies to use while explaining it. I've often compared it to a boiling pot on the stove all the way to when the pot runs dry and scale deposits are left behind. Coming up with your way to teach cycles of concentration in relatable terms will make your and the operator's job easier in the long run. Be sure to share your experience on LinkedIn by tagging it with hashtag JC21 and hashtag ScalingUpH2O. This is James McDonald, and I look forward to seeing what you share. Well, once again, thank you, James, for coming up with another weekly challenge. We've done so many weekly challenges since the very first of the year, and I know many of you out there in the Scaling Up Nation have kept up with every single one of them. I know I've actually received several handwritten notes from people when we did the James's Challenge way back on episode 179. And that was James's Challenge for the week to reach out to somebody that has helped you and write them a handwritten note. 
Well, I did that. I sent people some notes and I received some notes. And I want to say one of the notes I received was actually from James McDonald. So James is doing exactly what he is asking all of us to do. So as you are completing those, please make sure you hashtag JC21 and scaling up H2O. A few months back, I mentioned on the podcast how important it was to save money for your future, and you needed to look at that as you were paying yourself just like you were paying other bills. Folks, we have to make sure that we're financially sound if something were to happen, and eventually we're all going to get to a point where we can't work anymore. So taking care of ourselves, looking at taking care of ourselves as a bill just like we would a utility bill has been something key for me to do ever since I was out on my own. Now, when I mentioned this on a previous episode, I really received a lot of feedback on how to do that. What do I need to know? What does the member of the Scaling Up Nation need to know in order to start saving in ways that can actually help us? As we know, investing in a savings account isn't really investing. It's just holding our money someplace. But how do we get the market working for us? How do we get all of these other items to start working towards our benefit when we're starting from ground zero? Well, a great friend of mine, Scotty Neal, is going to talk all about that. So it's my hope, all of you that have written in and asked me questions about more information about your financial future, that we can answer some of those questions today. So Nation, please help me welcome Scotty Neal. My lab partner today is Scotty Neal, a wealth advisor with Guided Wealth Partners out of Nashville. Scotty, how are you today? Trace, I am doing great. I'm so glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Scotty, I'm going to let the cat out of the bag. You and I know each other because we are in the same mastermind group. That's right. And I talk about masterminds all the time on this podcast. I've started my own mastermind called the Rising Tide Mastermind, and and that's going really well. But it, it all started because the one that you and I are in is just going so well. I wanted to share that with the water treatment community. I don't know if I ever told you that. No. You didn't. I know that you're very involved in podcasts, though, and kind of a mentor to me as I consider starting my own sometime. Well, I think the world will be a lot better when Scotty Neal has his own podcast. So the world is waiting, Scotty. It's a lot of pressure, a lot of pressure. Well, hey, I know I know you very well, but I want the Scaling Up Nation to get to know you as well. So do you mind telling us a little bit about yourself? Sure. Well, professionally, as you said, I've, I've been a financial advisor for almost 25 years now. We operate uh, as a crow flies about 30 minutes outside of Nashville, north and east of Nashville in a small town called Hendersonville. And uh, I'm in a partnership, a group. There's, there's three advisors here in our firm, and uh, we're a wealth advisory team, actually. And, and we work with a small group of very successful business owners, professionals, executives, people that are at or near retirement. Um, or looking to achieve financial independence. So that's what we do here. Uh, as far as myself, I'm 54. I'm married to Leslie uh, for 27 years now. I have three children. Justin is my oldest. He's in Florida with uh, Caitlin as his wife and three grandbabies who we love and adore. 
my daughter, Cheyenne, uh, is been married about a year now. She lives here close to home. She's my boomerang. We threw her out there and she came back. Uh, no children yet, but she's married to Austin. And my baby is uh, Josh. He is uh, a senior at the University of Tennessee in Knoxville. He's in the Army ROTC program. And he will be in the officer program when he retires. He'll be going to Fort Sill, Oklahoma. I love to hunt. Uh, my my go-to, in fact, tomorrow morning, I'm leaving the house about 7 a.m. to head to the woods. About an hour from my home in Kentucky is 434 acres of prime hunting land that we just love to go. There's no cell phone reception there. It's a getaway place. I grew up hunting, and so it's just very natural for me to get out there. It's very relaxing. I enjoy the, the time more than I do killing anything. That's part of it, but we just enjoy getting out there working and doing things. I enjoy, uh, as I know you do, Trace, I, I think I'm a pretty high-level barbecuer. Uh, I'm self-taught. Back in 2010, I stopped playing very competitive church softball. I know that sounds crazy, but there is very <laughs> competitive church softball out there. Played baseball in college. Uh, and so um, in 2010, the old knee uh, got to, to acting up. And so I stopped playing softball and just started learning about cooking. There were a lot of shows on TV that time about barbecue competition. So I just started uh, reading and watching any and everything that I could. And I self-taught myself. I say self-taught. I was using their information, but I went and got it myself. Uh, and that feeds in very well with this investing team. I think a lot of people could uh, do a lot of learning on their own uh, as it pertains to that. But at any rate, I've done a few competitions. And of course, anybody that eats mine says it's the best they've ever had. And I know when I had traces a couple of months ago, it was the best I ever had. That's kind of the way <laughs> barbecue goes. Um, I'm very involved in my church uh, locally. As I said, my wife and I are empty nesters, so that's a whole different time for us, if you will, uh, as we try to decide what's next for us. My wife has actually gone back to school and is going to be a nurse, believe it or not, at 50 years old, but that's that's her. She, she can't not do something, and she loves serving people. So that's a little bit about me and, and my background and, and what I like to do. Well, thanks for that. And uh, Scotty, you shared with the group a time-lapse video of the tree stand that you built. That's nicer than some people's second home. Oh, my goodness. Well, and I'll tell you, if, uh, you know, talking about markets and pricing and, and things in our world right now, lumber, as you may or may not know, is outrageously priced. Luckily, I did not purchase the lumber that you saw in that video. It really was a trial run to see how that would work. But I can tell you, we spent way too much money on the lumber versus what we could have just bought an existing stand for. But uh, we're actually going to use that to put a tent on top of. Um, just to get it off the ground a little bit, but you're correct. It was a it was a 30 second time lapse video that it took us four hours to do the work that you saw in that in that time lapse. So it was a lot of fun. That was really cool. Uh, we had somebody come on a couple of weeks ago, and they were telling people how they can start putting their content on Facebook and LinkedIn. And, and what you did is a great example of that. Yeah, yeah, that was uh, I, it's it's funny, you know, the 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 video is actually very good. And what I did is I I took a box that we had there and cut two slits in it and set my phone down in the box as a as a not a tripod but something to hold my phone still and steady and just left it there for the whole day while we worked. So yeah, it worked great. It worked great. Well, let's transition over 
to money. And I know several people have reached out to me. I can't remember when I mentioned it the first time on the podcast. It was an episode where I was just answering questions from the audience. And I think somebody was asking me um, uh, maybe about their 401k or maybe about the different tools that I use. And I started talking about how we should be investing, how we should be saving money for ourselves and paying ourselves just like we would any other bill. That sparked a lot of traffic on our social media platforms. And I wanted to bring you in to really help the Scaling Up Nation understand some of the things involved around money and really planning for our future. So I wanna start this out with the quiz. True or false, you have to have money to have your money start working for you. That's not a trick question, is it? (laughs) I don't think so, but you're the money guy. That's absolutely true. You need money. You need some money. You don't have to have a lot of money. The important thing is starting. Okay, so let's talk about that, starting. So with starting, do you have to start at age 16? Do you have to start at age 30? What if I wanted to start 20 years ago and I still didn't start and I haven't started today? When when do you start? You know, Trace, when we talk to clients, we talk about two things, things that matter as what is important to you, what is it you want your money for, what's it to do for you, and then the other thing is control. What can you control? One of the few things you can control, we have zero, 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 and if anybody tells you they have, they're lying. We have zero control over the market and what it does. I can't control it. What I can control is time. That is what I do with my money. And so the sooner I've seen people start their children off at a very young age, just putting a little bit in. And I learned about you, Trace, as we geared up for this call that you, when you were 16 years old, listen, listeners, when he was 16 years old, he moved out on his own and got an apartment. I don't know anybody that's listening can remember back to 16 or if it was just a few years ago, were you in a position mentally (laughs) or money-wise to move out on your own, that is something that's extraordinary. And so what you did say, Trace, is at that time you started saving $25 a month. You on your own went and met with a financial advisor. This is next level activity, people. You have got to do things out of the box. You might feel like they're out of the box. I think it's perfectly ordinary. But when you look around at your friends, are they using every extra penny to buy the next iPhone? Or are they saving some money? Trace, I would suggest, was doing something out of the ordinary for his peers, the other 16-year-olds that he might have been around in that day and time. Time, time, time in the market is the number one thing that, that affects investment returns. Well, Scotty, and I'll add to that story. I believe that uh, that individual was put in my path for a reason. Uh, he was my neighbor. He lived next door to me in that apartment complex. And we just became friendly with each other. And he told me what he did. And he asked if I was investing in anything. And I thought that was a ridiculous question because I was 16. And uh, he took me to lunch and he told me about the power of having money in the market over a long period of time. And I invested $25 a month in a mutual fund called Oppenheimer's Main Street. Is that still around? I believe it is. So that's what I did. It was a painful $25 to give as a 16-year-old every single month, but that taught me the lesson that I always paid myself first. 
And I believe because I always had that attitude, that allowed me to make better decisions as I got older. Well, some of the things we teach when we're teaching, especially young people or newlyweds about money is to, to, to think about it like this. When you're at home, when you're, you know, Trace, you're, you're different at 16, you're out of there. But most of us, let's just say we're at home from age zero to 18. During that time, you are mainly a consumer, meaning you are sucking up all the funds from your parents. You're, they're having to pay for your cable, the house payment they take care of. You might have a car payment they're taking care of, insurance. They're footing the bill because you're a consumer. You're not producing anything. You're bringing nothing to the table. As you enter that next and, and really the longest phase of your life, your working years, let's just say from age 18 until normal retirement age of 65, it tends to be creeping up now. During that time frame, you're still a consumer. You're, you're eating dinner. You're, you're paying the bills, but you're also a producer now. You've got a job and you're working. The important thing during that time frame is you've got the money that's coming in and then you've got the money that's going out. The difference between those two numbers is savings or investable dollars. It's most important, most, most important to deny yourself some things. When you were 16, Trace, you had to deny yourself something to come up with that $25. But I bet if I pushed you in a corner, you would say, Scott, I eventually never missed that 25 anymore. Is that true, Trace? Yeah, at the time, like I said, it was very difficult to think, oh, I could have had this extra $25 if I didn't have this automatically going into this mutual fund. But to this date, I couldn't tell you what those things were that I wanted to buy at that time. Well, but the thing is this, so after you get used to that 25 coming out, and we, we do some 401ks for different companies, and we're always talking to the employees, and they just don't see how they can uh, avoid uh, or afford this or that, but yet they have that, and I'm not stepping on, not trying to step on, I'm stepping on my own toes. How about that? They can afford that Starbucks every day. What is that? Four bucks? Depends on what you get, I guess. I mean, just do the math on $4 a day for seven days a week. It's $28 a week. Multiply that out times four and then do it for another 12 months. It's, it's amazing how much a little bit of money adds up to a lot in no time at all. Let me get back to those stages of life, though. Consumer, that's when you're at home and you're not working, you're not doing anything, your parents are putting the bill. Then you step off into adulthood, you're a consumer and a producer. That's your time to make money and save money because you're going into that final phase where once again, you're just a consumer again, you're not producing. So what you've got at age 65, this is for your your, your person that asks about why should I lock my money away in a 401k? Better yet, why should I save money? When you become 65, you've got what you've got. What are you going to do then? It costs a lot of money. Trace, does it cost a lot of money to live? <laughs> yeah, living's expensive. It takes a lot of money. It takes a lot of money. And the thing is, these days, we're living, many of us, 25, 30 years in retirement. So just think about your annual expenses. Multiply that out by 25 or 30 years. That's That chunk of money is what it's going to take you to live however you want to live in retirement. It's very, very important to start early to create that nest egg that's going to last you in that time. More so than picking investments is starting early. I think on the show that I alluded to earlier, I mentioned the difference at what a person would have at the age of retirement if they started at 20 years versus 30 years old versus 40 years old. And it was like a million dollars difference, if I recall. 
it's substantial. And then uh, there's a whole nother piece to this thing that we do for younger couples. And, you know, one of them is two sources of income. There's only two. And when I say man here, I'm talking about man and woman. The two sources of income are this and only this. It's man or woman at work. It's you and me getting off our uh, tush and going and, and earning a paycheck. And then the other way and the only other way to make money that I know of is to have money make money for you. Because eventually that man or that woman is going to get old, tired, or sick, and their ability to go out and earn income is going to be gone. So therefore, the only thing left, the only way for you to produce money is for that money that you've got producing money for you. Now, that can be in the way of a stock portfolio or an investment portfolio. Trace, I know a lot of people do real estate. You know, you can you can buy a, a piece of real estate, a rental house, or, or some people with more money do triple net leases where they'll buy commercial properties and those properties will, will pay them rent. All this takes money. And, and, and most of us don't get the opportunity unless we're trust fund babies to start with a lot of money. A lot of us need to start much like you did, Trace. In fact, I think it's better to start that way. I think you appreciate more when you have little, but it's amazing. I can tell you some of the most amazing stories we manage money for very wealthy people, but some of the most interesting things are the, the normal, everyday people that come in here with a million dollars that they've saved a little bit at a time over the long haul. Yeah, there's a book I read a while ago. It was called The Millionaire Next Door, and it was about that person that just saved continuously, and you would have no idea that he had accumulated so much wealth. Well, I mentioned my daughter. I'm very proud of her because her and her husband have decided, um, and I've, I've shared my journey. I want to qualify myself for this conversation as a very successful financial advisor. And Trace knows this. In 2010, I declared bankruptcy as a very successful financial advisor who's teaching people how to do this. In 2010, I declared bankruptcy. And so I've been very transparent with my children and explained how that happened. It's very, very easy for it to happen. Um, and my daughter has decided, as I would hope your listeners would, she decided that's not going to be my journey. And so her and her husband, working together, very important, in, in two boats, two can row in the same direction better than one rowing against the other. They've decided they're going to do without. You know, there's a guy in our area here that he's nationwide, but really uh, popular around here named Dave Ramsey. And he says, you want to live today like no one else. So someday you can live like no one else. And so that means for them right now, they're not eating out. They're taking their lunch to work. They're not doing all the extra things a lot of their friends are doing, like probably going to movies. And right now when you're in that and you're doing it, it almost seems miserable in the beginning because you feel like you're being cheated. But I'm telling you, I am telling you, a couple of three years goes by like that in a snap. And, and the difference that those decisions make over the over the short term in two to three years is just unbelievable. Well, my daughter is able to tell me now she's done all this on her own, that by this October, her and her husband will be completely debt free at 24 years old. That's incredible. So what that means is since they're not making payments other than their rent, uh, they'll be ready to buy a house soon is they've got all that other additional money. And again, I spoke about money coming in, money going out and the difference of savings or investable dollars. They're going to have a lot of money to start throwing at something in order to grow it to to be a nest egg for them down the road. They are way, way ahead of the game. Scotty, you mentioned earlier one good way to save money is if you're buying coffee every single day. That's about four dollars that you're spending. 
you multiply that however many times you're buying it per week and then uh, how many weeks there are in a month, that could be the money that you start out with. So with me, it was just $25. Is that enough? Absolutely. Absolutely. There is no amount that's not enough. If I, I tell people in 401ks all the time, start with a dollar if you have to. And I promise you, it won't take very long for you to not miss that dollar anymore. Then the next thing you do is double it. Make it $2. Doesn't seem like a lot, but do it. And I promise you, you won't miss that $2. You just keep ratcheting that up. Before you know it, you're saving five, six, seven dollars $700 a month, and you don't even miss it. It's amazing when you get your mindset on saving money, how you start finding money. You start making decisions. Well, I really don't need, is it a want or is it a need? You know, that's, that's something I ask myself now. Do I really want that or do I need it? And that, that can help clarify some of your buying decisions that you make. That's great advice. I heard somebody say, always wait before you purchase something like that. Uh, if it's a good idea today, it should be a better idea tomorrow. And if it's not, that was just something that you wanted. Credit cards are, are not evil. Uh, they can be used for evil. <laughs> uh, if you know how to handle money, uh, credit cards don't necessarily have to be bad. One of the things I've heard before is, if you have trouble with a credit card, uh, of course, you can always cut it up. But one thing you can do is just put it in a cup of water and freeze it in the freezer. Oh, I've never heard that. And if you want to buy something as, as opposed to buying it, take that out and let it thaw. And probably by the time that that's thawed and you're ready to make your purchase, you will have changed your mind. I love that. That impulse will go away. So we've determined that any amount of money is the right amount of money to start because it starts that habit. But we've also mentioned in this show a lot of different vehicles. We, we've talked about mutual funds. We've talked about 401ks. And, and there's probably dozens more out there. So how do you navigate that sea? Well, we look at a 401k and a lot of people say, what is a 401k? Well, 401k is actually just a line of the tax code. If you get the tax code out, it's a real thick manual. And you can actually go to a certain page. And on that page, you'll see the line item 401k. And if anybody's ever done any college saving for kids or, or whatnot, there's another code 529, the 529 plan. So you can find these things, but a 401k is nothing more than something a company sets up. Why would they do that? First of all, the company likes to do that to provide a place for employees to save money before tax. Why is that? Well, it's very competitive out there. Most companies uh, really, really want, and I know, Trace, you you have a company, you want great employees. Absolutely. So we have to provide benefits because other companies are providing benefits to capture and keep those great employees. The 401ks is one of the ways that companies do that. And so they can set up a 401k and allow you to put money away before tax. Now, let's talk about that for a minute. Because I saw another thing we were to talk about is what's the difference between a regular IRA and a Roth IRA. Well, I would suggest that most people starting a 401k are probably not in a high income bracket. They don't have a tax problem. And just as a good rule of thumb for your listeners, if you're listening now and you get a tax return back every year, if you get a check back, then you're not in a high income bracket. You should be using a Roth IRA. And many 401ks have a Roth option. So let's talk about the difference between an IRA and a Roth IRA, and then I'll go back to 401k. IRA stands for Individual Retirement Account. That's what those three letters stand for. 
an IRA as a 54-year-old, I can put $7,000 a year into a personal IRA, and that is tax deductible to me. So if I make $100,000 a year, I put $7,000 into my IRA, I'm going to tell Uncle Sam I made $93,000 because I paid myself that other seven, and Uncle Sam is fine with that. The reason they're fine with that is because that money is going to grow, it's going to grow, it's going to grow. And when I turn 72, I have to start taking that money out through what's called required minimum distributions. That's when the government gets their payday back. They start getting to tax that money that I take out each year for those distributions. So a lot of high income earners, people that make a lot of money, they want those deductions. So they'll use things like a regular IRA or maybe a SEP, Simplified Employee Pension, just another flavor of an IRA that you can put a lot of money away in and get a tax deduction. A Roth IRA, on the other hand, is kind of the opposite. A Roth IRA is after tax money. So I can put that same $7,000 into a Roth IRA dependent upon income, high earners cannot use a Roth IRA, and nor would they want to. Um, But here's the beauty of the Roth IRA. You put the money in the Roth IRA after tax money, the money will grow and come out completely tax-free at some point in the future whenever you start taking it out. Completely tax-free. If you're young, we could sit down and do the math and It's a no-brainer. Should I use the Roth IRA or the regular IRA in my 401k? I'm telling you, younger people use the Roth all day long, all day long. The the benefit of having tax-free money when you retire someday. Let me tell you something. We're all watching the news. We're all seeing stimulus plans. Stimulus means that the government is taking my money and your money through taxes, and they are giving it out to people that need it, uh, businesses that need it through this pandemic. Well, eventually, we're going to have to pay that money back. The government has very few ways in order to reclaim their money other than taxation. And so odds are pretty high that at some point in the future, taxes will be much higher than they are today. That's the benefit of a Roth IRA. You can put money away after tax now in a high-rate environment and someday pull that money back out tax-free. It's a big deal. So back to the 401k. So your company will allow you to to put money into that 401k before tax or after tax if you use the Roth feature. And I believe this year you could put up to about $19,000 into a 401k as an employee. I believe that's right. I don't have it in front of me. Uh, It's not the biggest part of our business, but we do do some. And so to the guy that said, I don't want my money locked up, well, let's talk about that. Any healthy financial plan ought to have what we call it. I'm a visual person. If I was in front of you, I'd be drawing pictures, but it's buckets of money. You ought to have a bucket of money that's in your checking account that you need to live on each and every month, each and every month. You ought to have a bucket of money, a separate bucket that is savings. This is if the car breaks, if the heat and air goes out in my home, if an emergency comes up, a rainy day fund, that's what savings is for, never to be touched. There ought to be another bucket of money that's investable dollars, and it can be a dollar, as we stated earlier. It doesn't have to be a lot, but there needs to be separate buckets of money. And if you don't have the money to, quote, unquote, lock up in your 401k, then you're spending too much money. I have never found it to be any other problem than spending if you don't have the money to save and invest for yourself, period. 
you make what you make, you have to spend less than what you make. You have to. And the beauty of the 401k goes right back to what you said when you were 16, Trace. It's a forced savings. It's forced. I mean, you choose it. You sign up for that plan, but they're going to take that money out automatically before you see it, before you touch it. And I'm going to make a promise. I'm not able to guarantee or promise much in my line of work, but I'm going to promise this. I've said it before. You will never miss the money. You will never miss the money. And I would encourage you, after you start doing XYZ amount of money each week, bump it up. You'll never miss that money either. And so that's one of the first ways that people have the ability to start saving money through their employer. Hopefully, they've got a 401k. You can sign up for that plan. And you can start saving money before tax, unless you use the Roth option, which I would if I'm a young person. You can save after tax. They're going to put that money in account for you, and you're going to pick mutual funds. The plan will provide, you know, some of the plans we have. One plan provides about 85 different investment choices, and they all vary from 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 place to place. You might say, well, what about an IRA? What's the difference? Well, as an individual, you don't have to work at somewhere to have a 401k, you can have your own IRA. You can do your own 401k, if you will. You can save your own money into your own IRA. It has the same rules. You can put up to X amount of dollars, depending on your age. You can start taking that money out. Here's one of the things. You can start taking that money out without penalty when you're 59 and a half. You have to start taking it out when you're 72 in a traditional regular IRA. Roth IRA works exactly the same, except it's after-tax dollars, comes out tax-free. You can start taking out when you're 59 and a half, but there is no 72 mandatory retirement withdrawal feature on a Roth IRA. You don't ever have to take it out. And I can tell you, most of my wealthier clients, they they hate taking that money out. They usually take it out to meet the government uh, standard, and then they put it right back in and into another investment account. Scotty, in talking about the 401k, uh, the 401k has this awesome feature where it allows employers like me to give money to the people that are investing in their own retirement. So advice that I give all of my people is invest at least the minimum that will allow you to take the maximum of what I can give you. Good advice? Absolutely. You took the words right out of my mouth, except I will add this, and I would encourage you to add it too. It's part of your pay. If you do not at least contribute enough to take full advantage of all of Trace's match or your employer, you are leaving part of your pay on the table. It's free money. So if I invest enough to get a dollar for dollar match, that's 100% return before I even go in the market. You have to do it. It's free money. It's part of your pay. That is great advice from you, Trace, and that's definitely part of the process. Scotty, great job. IRAs, Roth IRAs, 401ks. And then we have these things, mutual funds, which, of course, those instruments that I just mentioned would have those in them. Let's say somebody does have a retirement account. Maybe they have something at home, something at work, and now they're looking at just doing some investments on their own. Should they do stocks? Should they do mutual funds? And how do you know? Well, I would say for, let's just say you know nothing about investing. Nothing about investing. First of all, as I said, with learning to cook barbecue, in this day and age with computers and cell phones, we basically have the world of information at our fingertips. You know, 
information is, is critical. And I encourage everybody to own their own information. So look it up. Start learning about things. Read about mutual funds and stocks. But when we're sitting down with someone, we always start with a risk profile. And we ask a lot of questions. A lot of it is based on age. And so if an um, 80-year-old grandma comes in here and she wants to be very, very aggressive, that's probably not wise because she doesn't have the time. Remember, time is the most important factor versus a 24-year-old that comes in here. Um, they have the time to be aggressive, whereas grandma does not have the time to be investment. So we would always start with a risk profile. And a lot of your 401k plans will have employees do a risk profile before they even invest their first dollar. But I can always say, I hate to say always, never, anything like that, but I can always say, uh, based on age, if somebody comes in front of me, they should always invest aggressively. And so you can find mutual funds that will fit that need. Really, for my money, if I'm telling my daughter what to invest in, I'm going to have her just buy an index fund. We've all heard of Vanguard and Fidelity. You can buy an index fund. What is an index fund? Well, we've all heard of the S&P 500. We've heard of the Dow. We've heard of the NASDAQ. There are actually indexes out there that will just mirror. You know, the Dow is nothing more than 30 stocks. 30 of the largest companies in the world are included in the Dow. So when you see the Dow is up this much during the day or, or that much yesterday or down that much, that's just really 30 companies. For my money, the S&P 500 is a better measure because it's 500 of the largest American companies. So you get 500 companies uh, if you own the S&P 500 versus 30 if you own the Dow and so on and so forth. And so if, if I'm starting with new money and I know very little about it, I'm going to buy the S&P 500. Just keep buying it. Take that $25 and buy a little bit each time. Just do it blindly. Don't try to time the market. Don't think the market's too high. Uh, there's never a better time than now. Right now, when you have the money ever, is there a better time to invest than right now? And so if I'm a new person, I'm going to find a good growth mutual fund or I'm going to just use one of the indexes, maybe the S&P 500 is how I would start. But again, read about it. Learn about that stuff. Research it for yourself. All right, Scotty. So now I'm going to put a bunch of different individuals in front of you and ask you what advice you would give them. So the first one showing up is someone who has never invested before. So I'm going to start them off. Earlier in our conversation, we talked about the, the, the two sources of income. Uh, we talked about the, being a consumer and a producer. So I'm, I'm really going to start bare bones and start from the bottom and really take it slow and not go too fast and just really simplify everything. And I, I, actually, I do that for everybody. I want to assume that the person in front of me knows nothing. Um, I think it's incumbent upon us advisors in my chair to take the utmost care of people in front of us and not just assume. But somebody that's brand new, I'm going to take a lot of time. And if any of you folks go to an advisor and they don't take a lot of time, I want you to get up and walk out. You want, as Dave Ramsey around here says, you want somebody with a teacher's heart that will take the time. It's the best time investment you can make is to take the time to learn about this stuff. I want you to sit in front of an advisor who's going to teach you, take the time to teach you. So search for that person. Ask your friends, ask your friends' parents who they're using. Trey said he went to, uh, when he was 16, a neighbor that he had developed a relationship with and obviously got great advice, good enough to start putting 25 bucks a month 
way back when, when he was 16. And so that's what I'm going to do with that brand new investor is just really slow down and take some time with them. Okay. Now it's somebody who has a long history of investing. Some of us have a long history of investing. And this is what we deal with a lot right now. We at my firm have something uh, that we call a sounding board process. And so um, it's something that we offer our best clients. It's one of our value added services. And here's how it works. And so I would, Trace, if you were a client, I would say if you have someone who's important to you that has financial questions or concerns, you can feel free to introduce them and I will act as a sounding board. And here's what that means I'll take what they have. Um, I'll see the investments they have, the insurances they have, and then we'll ask them a lot of questions about the things. Remember I said earlier about what matters, what matters to you. Taking those things that matters to them, I'll then look at their investments and we'll see if their investments line up with what matters to them. And surprisingly enough, a lot of times the answer is no. A lot of times people start an investment uh, portfolio or philosophy and then life changes and they never adjust that plan along the way. And so what we do is we um, have the ability to look at any investments, mutual funds, stocks, whatever. We look under the hood using a a software that we have that really will give a non-biased. We have a lot of clients, so we don't have to have everyone be a client. In fact, we have a, a process that will Tell us if somebody fits, if we fit them and they fit us. And so using this sounding board, back to that, we're able to look under the hood and tell them exactly what their investments are doing, how tax efficient they are, how um, cost effective they are. There's a lot of things that go into return. Are they diversified enough? You know, Are the investments doing what they want them to do? And so that's a lot of what we do with someone that's got a, a pretty mature portfolio and they, they're... Uh, have been doing this for quite some time. Okay, now the person you're in front of is a young person that's got a lot of years until retirement. Well, that's really not much different from the first person we talked about. So this would be my daughter, who's 24 and getting ready to be debt-free. And um, we would just start building. Very important, I said something earlier about buckets of money. Take that away from here, young people that hear me. Have buckets of money. Have different buckets that, that are designed to do If you want to go fast, then you're going to get a a Corvette. If you want to drive in comfort, you're going to get an SUV. And so your portfolio, your plan has got to fit what it is you're trying to do. And so I just encourage you to spend the time to learn on your own, but also sit with somebody like myself or somebody at church, maybe you know, that, that does these kind of things. One of the things that we've not said, not the word I've not, it's a dirty word, really, is budget. <laughs> if uh, you know, I've looked ahead to, to some of the things we're going to talk about, Trace, and I'll kind of jump ahead. You know, what's one thing you would do now? I would, I would develop a budget, and I would call it a spending plan if that makes you feel better. Develop a spending plan every month and spend every penny you make on paper. Spend it on paper, because here's the thing: if you don't tell your money what to do. It'll do. It's, it'll just be gone. It just seems to evaporate. You have to tell your money what to do. And the way you do that is with a, a well-written budget. And that's just simply, here's what I tell that young person. I want you to go home. I want you to get a bowl. I want you to set it wherever it is you come in and you throw your keys every, you know, you walk in the door, you throw your keys down on the counter, put your bowl right there. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to save a receipt for every penny you spend this month. Let's just see where we're at. 
you know, if I'm going to drive from here to somewhere I've never been, I've got to use a MapQuest or use Map Apple Maps or Google Maps. Well, I've got to have a starting point and I've got to put a destination. It'll show me how to get there. We're never going to know where you are financially if we don't know what's going out. And you'll be surprised how much pizza you eat when you start looking and keeping up with it. <laughs> I know that was my case. But anyway, <laughs> let's save a receipt for every penny you spend. Just throw it in the bow. It doesn't matter what it's for right now. Doesn't doesn't matter. But let's see what's going out. And then once you you know what's going out, then you can start working, you know, backwards, if you will, from how much is coming in, what's the difference, what can I cut out, what do I need, what do I want. And so that's kind of how we start building with that younger person um, that that really doesn't know where to go. We start with a spending plan or a budget. Okay, now you're talking with somebody who retirement is just around the corner. Yeah, that's um that's interesting too. Depends on their age, because again, what I said is we're living longer now because of medicine and because of some of the miracles of uh, things they've invented that we're able to live uh, longer. We live sicker, but we live longer. And but and so you've got to have a lot of money to potentially live 25, 30 years without an income. And so it's very important at that time we want to make sure. And I haven't mentioned this yet. This is this goes for the twenty-four year old. Get a will. You don't have to spend a lot of money, but make sure you have a will. You know, for these older people, we're looking at a lot of things like Social Security. We're looking at insurances. You know, I can tell you my grandmother is 93. She fell. She's in a nursing home. Do you know what it costs to be in a nursing home for a month? Think about it. $8,500 a month. You know, that's hundred grand a year if she lives a year in that nursing home. So it takes a lot of money. We look at all these things for that older couple that's coming in to retire. A, we want to look at their money. It's probably invested too aggressively, but I also know a lot of mistakes people make when they're 65. They say, hey, I've got to go to bonds because I can't afford to lose any money. Um, again, if you're going to be around for 25 or 30 more years, you need to take some risk. You need to continue growing your money unless you have Bill Gates money. And then, of course, it doesn't matter. Yeah, I am not on that list in case you were wondering, Scotty. Not many are. Not many are, Trace. All right, Scotty, now you're talking with somebody. They just told you they have a huge amount of debt. Well, I'm going to hate it for them, first of all, but I'm also going to understand because I've been there. Really, it gets into psychology. You know, what, what causes you to spend money you don't have? Um, and, and really, for me, it's not about making that person feel bad. It's really about creating an awareness, uh, getting them to the place where maybe they're like my daughter and they want to. Uh, do a budget. They want to get debt free. Uh, it's it's just like the other side. We we take all that debt and look at it, and you know we do some of the things that Dave Ramsey has taught other debt coaches, and we create a debt snowball with the uh, smallest debt uh, at the top, and we're going to eliminate that first. We're going to take the money we paid for that small debt, double it down to the next debt, and you create this debt snowball, and you let you have to get rid of debt. You have to. We want working assets. You know, boats and cars and stuff are non-working assets. We want working assets, investments, real estate, stocks, mutual funds. Those are working assets. So the goal is to eliminate the behavior that creates debt. And that, that's something I can't do. I can recommend, but it really takes soul searching. A lot of us weren't taught about money as kids. I don't know about you, Trace, but I wasn't. I wasn't taught about money. And that's because my dad's dad didn't teach him about money. 
And so let me say something else. <laughs> I feel like I'm on my soapbox here. Parents, teach your kids about money. It's important. It's, it's, it's mentioned in the Bible as much as anything. And so there, there has to be some importance to it. Let's say a person comes in and tells you they pay cash for absolutely everything. What do you tell them? Great. <laughs> Fair enough. I can't argue with that. You know, I understand there's a, I have a lot of wealthy people. Um, debt is not evil. If you are smart and you know how to use debt, then it's not necessarily a bad thing, but it's, it's just like anything. If we abuse it too much of it, let it get out of whack. As Dave Ramsey says, you don't want to go on vacation, put it all on a credit card and bring that vacation home with you. That's no fun. And so, you know, there's something called the rule of 72. And this is a great takeaway that anybody can do. It's called the banker's rule of 72. Bankers understand these numbers and, and you ought to understand how numbers work. So you take 72 and divide any number into it. And let's just talk about investing. If your investment's returning 6% a year, you divide that into 72 and that'll tell you how long it takes your investment to double. So that's 12 years for a 6% investment. Well, the bad news is it works the same for debt too. Look at those credit cards you've got in your billfold right now and look at that statement the next time you get it and the interest they're, they're charging you. It might be as much as 18, 20 or worse. Do the rule of 72 there. And now you've got math working against you if you're carrying a lot of debt. What about somebody comes in and they don't want to do anything until they hear that next hot stock tip? They are not going to have a very successful investment life. I mean, I've been doing this about 25 years, Trace, and I, you know, just recently we've all heard about the GameStop. Yeah, I was waiting for a phone call for that, Scotty. It never rang. You'll never. That's not the lane we ride in. You know, we like to say that a lot. We don't ride in those lanes. You know, of high risk, and that's how you get hurt. You know, that's for other people, not for me and my clients. I never want to apologize to a client. And so I would much rather have you in boring and steady. The turtle wins the race every time. I mean, it's just a fact. I would say that you're probably not a good fit for me if you're looking for the next best hot stock idea. Now, if you want to talk about a disciplined investment approach, then let's talk about that. Scotty, what's the biggest mistake you see people make over and over again? it's really funny and it's very predominant right now. And it always is around events. You know, we've had an election, a very divided country, a lot of emotion running and people want to get out of the market. You know, I need to get out. The market's too high or I'm scared. This is so emotion gets in the way. You know, I could, I could spend a career learning about the emotions of investing and probably do very well just teaching that, you know, it's one of the, the angles we can use, but people um, get emotional about their money. You know, that's why people will work with somebody like me. And so we try to educate, 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 and show people history. You know, history says it's time in the market, not timing the market. You know, in 2008, we had a huge pullback in the market. And here's the facts. In 2007, right around November, was the top of the market before that big pullback happened. If you would have got knocked in the head and went to sleep in 2007 in November um, and woke up 10 years later, if you would have just been invested in the S&P 500, you would have still averaged 10% a year in spite of that big pullback. And so people get so worried and torn up and they hop out of the market, they hop back in. 
and I don't have the time today, but there are stats upon stats of, of what happens when you do that. And it's usually not good. You know, most investors underperform um, the S&P 500 because they get in, they get out. They just don't stick and stay and make it pay is a word I like to say or a phrase, I should say. Uh, so the biggest mistake I see is people letting emotion get in the way. If you can only get one point across on this podcast, what do you want it to be? Save, save, save early and often. Well, Scotty, I want to thank you for all that advice. I, I've got probably another dozen questions that I can ask you, but I know you're a busy guy. Uh, I do have four more questions I want to ask you in my lightning round if you are ready for those. I'll give it a whirl. All right. So, Scotty, you know how the power to go back to your first day when you became an investment advisor. What advice would you give yourself? I would be a fee-only advisor. It's very, very hard when I started out in my early or mid-20s. Um, you need money, of course. And so um, the way you do that is through commissions or through uh, different types of mutual funds that pay. You know, Now the way we uh, invest for people is if you bring in $100,000, we typically would charge 1% for that, 1000 bucks a year. And that puts me on the same side of the table with the client. You know, if, if that account goes up in value, then I get a raise. So I, I have skin in the game, if you will. But also, if they want to fire me, they can. There's no penalties for them to do that. So I would have transitioned earlier to the fee-only practice as opposed to commissions and, and other forms of payment that I did in the beginning. Scotty, what are the last few books that you've read? Trace during one of those times when I decided I was going to really check my spending, I cut cable off. <laughs> we could all do that. And say, it's amazing how much we spend on that. It's amazing how much money you can put in a mutual fund if you get rid of cable. And so if you need to do that, and I'm talking to you. But during that time, I got into uh, John Grisham books. And I know he's not the greatest author in the world, but I love the way he writes. It just seems to flow for me. So the last two books I've recently read were Whistler and Rooster Bar. Well, I'm actually reading Rooster Bar right now, but Whistler is the last one I read. I'm in Rooster Bar. And I'm also, I'm, I'm in a weekly Bible study and we have a, a book that goes along. It's a companion book called Foundations. And so that's that's the three things that I'm in right now. Scotty, I know that you've recently read the I Said This, You Heard That workbook and you brought that into your company. We recently had Kathleen on for a second part on the podcast. I'm just curious, um, what do you think about that and what has it done for your company? Well, uh, I spoke earlier about psychology and so understanding uh, what makes people do what they do. And so when I visited you in Atlanta a couple of months ago and we did we did the, the questionnaire and then it, it tagged me with a certain color based on my personality traits, I mean, I was busted. It had me. That's exactly me. And, and, and uh, Trace, I know that you agree with the color it assigned you. You said, yep, that's me. And so what that does is it really, you know, the goal for me is to help somebody get help, if that makes sense. And so if I know where they're coming from, from a personality standpoint, it just really removes a lot of the barriers that could be there affecting the planning that we're doing. I don't know if that makes sense, but knowing how to speak to somebody in a way that they can embrace it is most important in my line of work. And then obviously with your marriage, with your friends. And so it's been very, very impactful. And so I'm looking forward to doing more and more of that stuff. Who plays Scotty Neal in a movie? 
oh my gosh, who plays Scotty Neal in a movie? Liam Neeson. All right. I'm sure he's up for the role. (laughs) My last question, Scotty, you now have the power to talk to anybody throughout history. Who would it be with and why? There are tons of people, but because my wife and I are recently watching The Crown, in fact, we're done with it. I think there's four seasons and we've just gotten to the Lady Diana part. I would love to meet and speak with the Queen of England. So interesting, all that she has done in her time. And I can't believe she's still living. Uh, She's 90 something years old, but just all the history she's experienced. I love history and uh, would love to sit and have a spot of tea with her and talk about some of those things. There you go. Pinky's up, right? That's right. Scotty, thank you so much for sharing. And there's, there's a lot of mysticism in this. People, they get very intimidated. They don't know what all the acronyms are. They don't know what all the instruments are. And then by default, they just don't do anything. I think you have given them enough information and geared them up to do something. Thank you for that. Trace, as a single guy, moved to Chattanooga and managed restaurants for seven years. I had three different restaurants that I managed. And when I first moved there, course i didn't know anybody i wasn't getting out and my wife my mom called and said how's it going have you met him no i haven't met anybody she said are you going out and i said no i haven't gone out and mom said this and this is what applies to your listeners today as it goes along with investing she said you can't go shopping in a parked car and so the the challenge there is for for people to get off their hind ends and to do something do something take a step right foot left foot Start learning about it. Do take one step that'll put you closer to putting $25 in a mutual fund like you did when you were 16. That's what I would say to people. You can't go shopping in a parked car. Scotty, thank you again for coming on Scaling Up H2O. Folks, I want to really underline the fact that if you are not working with an individual that can help you with questions that you have about your financial future, please find somebody that you can have that conversation with. We mentioned on the interview that one of the first people I started talking with was my neighbor. Actually, the very first person I started talking with was my grandfather. For those of you with kids out there, listen to this. I remember I always thought my grandfather was just an incredible guy. He was a, a World War II vet, and you know some, that was something that he hardly ever talked about. And last week, I brought up Major Dick Winters. Uh, he was the, uh, the major that commanded Easy Company in HBO's Band of Brothers. And I was mentioning last week that Audible has his book for free if you wanted to listen to that. And that's really Band of Brothers from his point of view. Uh, It's basically his memoirs from everything that you saw on the HBO special, but all from his perspective. Anyway, I got to watch that series with my grandfather. And I have to tell you, he talked about things that uh, I just had no idea about. So if you have an individual that has uh, experience like that, I urge you to talk with them because I don't have that opportunity to talk with my grandfather anymore. He passed away a couple years ago. He was 96. Uh, Just an incredible man. And he was my hero. He really was. The reason I brought my grandfather up is when I was very small, 
I don't know if I was seven or eight, nine. I don't remember how old I was, but my grandfather started teaching me about stocks. Now, how do you teach an eight-year-old about stocks? Well, one, I was always enamored with my grandfather. I just thought he was an incredible guy. So anything that he would talk to me about, I was a captive audience. And he was looking through the papers one day and he was teaching me what the different stock symbols were and what the whether it was something was going up or something was going down and what that meant. And he kind of taught me on uh, an eight-year-old's understanding on how the market worked. Again, this was an eight-year-old's understanding. But later that day, he took me out and he opened up my first savings account. So I remember I had, um, it was, wasn't a checkbook, it was more of a deposit book, I think. But my job that my grandfather gave me was I was supposed to manage the money in my savings account. And basically what that meant was uh, I was supposed to put money into it whenever I got money. And when he asked me about the balance, I was supposed to be able to tell him what the balance was. There was some sort of interest that was earning. So I had to tell him how much interest that I earned on that account. I'm sure it was pennies. And then he had me pick out one or two stocks, and I had to be able to report on how that stock was doing. Now, I'm going to admit I was better at some weeks than I was at others, but what that did, that got me interested in something that normal kids have no interest in, and that really set me up for success for the rest of my life. So when I then started working, I knew that I had to invest in myself first before I had money to go buy things. And I know my friends would spend their entire paychecks on either going out one Friday night or maybe a car that they couldn't afford. And I just wasn't like that. I always made sure that I paid myself first and then the money I had left over, that went to the bills that I had to pay and anything I had left over from that, that was the money that I could use to go out with friends or do whatever that I wanted. And because of that, I was very unpopular sometimes where I would say, no, I'm sorry, I couldn't do that. But I do think that everybody finally appreciated that when they got further on in life. But at the time being, it was a little difficult to say, no, I'm not going to go out this Friday night because I just simply cannot afford it. And I always had the respect that I wasn't going to put something on a credit card that if I couldn't pay for it at the end of the month. Anyway, all that was because of my grandfather. So hopefully you have somebody in your life like my grandfather. But because we had these conversations, I was then able to respond to my next door neighbor when he started talking to me about investing when I was 16. And I think I mentioned on the podcast when I was talking with Scotty, uh, Main Street, uh, an Oppenheimer mutual fund was the first thing that I ever invested in. It was $25 a month. And I think I'm still putting money into that today. Now, because I started putting $25 a month back in 16, I'm a little older than 16 now. So that really started the effect where compounding interest and also the market working because it's time in the market, not timing the market, as Scotty said, that now I've got something that hopefully will help me out during retirement. So all that to say, if you do not have somebody you can talk to, and I'm not just talking about your grandfather now, I'm talking about somebody who is in the business, somebody that is licensed, somebody that can give you advice 
on how you should be saving your money, please go out and find that individual. The next time you start talking with friends, ask them who they use and keep asking people until you find some people to call. Now, it may not be the first one that you trust or you feel you have a good connection with, we'll try a couple. There's some great financial advisors out there. I believe I have a great financial advisor. And folks, when you're working well with somebody like that, not only are you out there working, making money, well, now the money that you're saving for your future is also out there working for you. So again, I hope this helped all the people that wrote into me and they wanted to know a little bit more about how do they start saving for their future. And speaking of the future, we will have another brand new episode of Scaling Up H2O right out of the bag for you next week, next Friday. Until then, have a great week. Scaling Up Nation, we are all leaders. We are leading someone in our lives. Sometimes we are leading many people in our lives. Well, when was the last time you worked on your leadership style? This is something that we do on a regular basis within the Rising Tide Mastermind. I asked Rising Tide Mastermind member Jill Cavano how she has benefited from her leadership style within the Rising Tide Mastermind. Here's what she said. The one way that the mastermind has helped me approach my leadership differently is I like to see different people's perspectives. If I have a question about what should I do about a situation or how I should kind of, I guess, captain my ship, it's really nice to see different people's perspectives. And the in the middle, which is where a designated person every week brings an issue to the group where we discuss it and give advice, you know, seeing the in the middle of myself and my fellow group mates has really helped me answer any, you know, leadership questions I have, really given me some, you know, tough things to think about. Um, and it's just kind of helped me maintain best practices or at least reaffirm that I'm on the right track. Um, when we worked on traction and looked into EOS, that's definitely something that I'd like to do for our leadership in the future. And it's really given me an understanding where I feel like I can take that and move forward. Jill, thanks for sharing that. Nation, we wear a lot of hats within our day-to-day -day job. Then add to that all the other relationships that are within our lives outside of our job. We need to make sure that we are able to lead all of those relationships well. When was the last time you had a group that was built to make that part of your life better? Well, that is what the Rising Tide Mastermind Group does, among so many other things. So if you wanna learn more about becoming a member of the Rising Tide Mastermind, go to scalinguph2o.com forward slash mastermind to see exactly how this group is laid out, what's in it for you, and then you can schedule a call with me by clicking the apply button and I can see if you are right for the group. If those two things line up, you can be the next member of the Rising Tide Mastermind and maybe I'll be asking you in a few months, what are some of the benefits that you've received as being a member of the Rising Tide Mastermind? Once again, that's scalinguph2o.com forward slash mastermind.